My friends, pray with me. Lord God, we give you thanks for the day and its beauty. We appreciate and thank you for the gracefulness that you pour into each of our lives and into the life of this, your church. Oh God, take these gifts that we bring, that we offer to you, we give our best for you. And we'd ask that you would multiply them so that the fragrance of Christ would emit from this church, throughout this community, and around the world. Now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come, open up our ears, our hearts, our lives to the proclamation of your word. Oh, Lord, may these words from your scriptures and the words from this broken man's mouth help us, oh God. May they shape us to hear the shepherd's voice. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, beloved saints, good morning, beloved sinners. It is good that you are here this morning. I invite you to open your Bible at this point, and you're going to put your finger in a couple of places. The first is our gospel lesson in John chapter 10, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. But also, uh, go back to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 34. Uh, we're also going to look back at that in just a few minutes. But our gospel lesson is from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Now, in order for our text to make any understanding this morning, we have to understand what comes immediately before it. In John chapter 9, um, we have a story, we have the beginning of a drama that's cut into three different acts. And the first part of the drama is in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus encounters a blind man from his birth, and um, he, he spits on the ground, makes some mud, and puts some saliva in the blind man's eyes, and for the first time ever, this man can see. The second act of this drama happens right after he is healed. In verses 13 to 41 of chapter 9, um, we learn that the no good deed ever goes unpunished. The blind man, he goes, and people begin to find out that he has been healed, and the religious officials of the day get really bent out of shape that he was healed on the Sabbath day, which is a violation of the law. You can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. That's a no-no. And so this man was literally excommunicated from the community. And then we have the third act where we pick up today in John uh, chapter 10. Jesus hears the blind man has been kicked out of the Jewish fellowship. He's been excommunicated. And uh, Jesus comes up to the blind man after the fact and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And, and the blind man declares, I believe it's you, Jesus. And at that point, some Pharisees, they heard the blind man tell Jesus this, and they confronted Jesus angrily. And Jesus unloads on them. He looks at the religious officials and he says, This blind man sees, and yet you, who are the leaders and keepers of the law, are blind as bats about what God wants and what sin is, and your sin remains. And this is where we start in the story. John chapter 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember, Jesus is speaking to the religious officials and to the healed blind man. 
Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know the shepherd's voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, that is, the Pharisees and religious officials, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus says to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who, come, all who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, will be made whole, and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that my sheep may have life and have it abundantly. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, some of you know that I married a twin I married a twin, and for the longest time after I first started dating Kelly, I had the hardest time in college distinguishing between their voices on the telephone. See, her twin sister sounded just like her. And it took me a long time to discern, now is Kathy playing a trick on me, or am I really talking to Kelly on the phone? Well, it took a while. It took time. But I had to discern the, the variance in the voice. It could be similar sometimes. Sometimes they were very different. But I learned the subtle nuances of Kelly's voice and her twin sister's. Beloved, Jesus today in our story is asking us to be learning the subtle differences in the voices we hear. This is what he was telling the Pharisees centuries ago. The religious officials who were shepherding the people with words and the ways of God had corrupted God's message ever so subtly. Over the centuries, they had transformed God's covenant of loving relationship between the people into a relationship conditioned on proper spiritual or physical behaviors. The religious officials made God's word to mean that if you do certain things, if you behave a certain way, then you can have a whole relationship with God. Jesus took what they said and turned it upside down. Jesus proclaimed, if you have a meaningful relationship with God first, then a person's behaviors will fall into line afterward. Hence, the fact the man that was born blind was healed on the Sabbath 
was a violation of behavior, of code, that there should, no, there should be no work on any given Sabbath day. Why? Because it pollutes the day's holiness. Jesus, on the other hand, he declared that the healing of a broken man and a restoring of this man to health and community and relationship to God and God's community will prompt the man instead to live a God-honoring life. And it's here that Jesus really goes and stirs the proverbial pudding. You see, Aristotle's first rule of rhetoric is to know your audience before speaking to them. And Jesus, he had his audience nailed and he went to stirring the pot. He was speaking to the supposed religious leaders and shepherds of David's flock. He was speaking to those who were entrusted by God to care for the people of Israel, the people like this blind man. And we miss the shock value of Jesus' words today that were clearly heard by the Pharisees as a slap across the face from the Hebrew Scriptures. You see, as Jesus spoke, I think, I believe, they had back in their smart minds the words of the prophet Ezekiel from Ezekiel chapter 34 banging around their head. You see, Ezekiel, the prophet, wrote some 600 years before Jesus was born. And uh, Ezekiel 34 uh, is following this commendation from God, or condemnation from God to the religious officials of Ezekiel's time. And as we see, even in Jesus' time. Listen to these words from Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'm going to begin chapter 34, and I'm just going to share the verses 1 through 4 and then verse 10. Ezekiel writes to the false shepherds of Israel, the leaders. He says, The word of the Lord came to me, mortal, prophesy against these shepherds of Israel, these leaders of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, all you shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you don't feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back those who have strayed away, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness. You have ruled them. And then in verse 10, Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds, those religious leaders, and I will demand that my sheep by their hand, and I will put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that my sheep may not be food for them. It's at this point, Jesus 
turns the table on the Pharisees and religious officials and makes himself to be the good shepherd. The gate, the place of safety, the caretaker of the sheep. He uses all of these various metaphors. Jesus is announcing to them that from now on, Pharisees, the voice of the sheep will hear a voice from the people or to the people that's a voice of love and grace, a voice of concern and care, and a voice of comfort, and not one that brings burden. It would be a voice of correction and not a voice of retribution. It would be a voice of grace versus a voice of personal gain. Jesus' words were a proverbial slap in the face to the religious leaders of the day. They were a wake-up call. And no doubt Jesus, he knew those religious officials, knew the rest of Ezekiel 34. Oh, it's rich. Where even in later on in Ezekiel 34, right here in verse 15, <laughs> I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Whoa. Do you know what they were thinking in their minds? This was rolling around in the religious officials' minds as they heard Jesus speak. It was, wow, powerful, dis disconcerting. Now, if, if we are honest, we too will admit that it's often hard for us in our world today to distinguish a stranger's voice, the thief's voice, from the one of the shepherd who wants to care for us. On the one hand, we hear the stranger's subtle voice because our lives have been inundated with the din of the cacophonous noise in the world. It's hard to hear the subtlety of the shepherd's voice. And yet we also hear the subtle voice of the thief, of the stranger, within the very church, the very Christian community itself. Just like in the times of Ezekiel when he was dealing with the false religious leaders, just like Jesus was confronting the religious leaders of his day, so there are those voices of the thief within the religious community seeking to subtly twist the words of God. The voices, for example, of culture that woo us away from abundant life, they're many. It's the voice in the culture that says, if it feels good, do it. There's the voice of the culture that says, bigger is better. There's the voice in the culture that says the more you have, the happier you will be. And there's the voice of the culture which expresses itself in pride that says, my way is better than your way, so shush. I'm doing it my way instead. But the church, beloved, also has 
the voices of the thief within the flock. Within the church, there are those subtle voices that compete with the voice, the true voice of the good shepherd. There are those elements, for example, in the church, in the community of faith that have reshaped and reimagined the words of the religious leaders of the first century, like the prosperity gospel today that declares that God will abundantly bless you with physical and tangible blessings if you have enough faith and if you give enough money. And these are the same voices and preachers that forget that Jesus was surrounded by manure when he was born, who was homeless and did not own a thing other than what he had on his back. There's that strange thieving voice within the community of faith in the church that says, if you don't believe like I believe or do what I do, then you're not a real Christian. These are the ones who obviously have not read our story today in John chapter 10. Then there's the thieving voice, the stranger's voice within the community of faith that dares to say the charismatic gifts are the supreme gifts that all Christ followers have to speak. If you're a bona fide Christ follower, then you have to speak in tongues. And my friends, they forget all of the words in Corinthians 13 where Paul says all the charismatic gifts are nothing compared with the one gift all Christians have, and that is the gift of agape love. There's... The thieving voice, the stranger's voice within the religious community in America today that says it's okay to believe about Jesus, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And they are the ones that forget today's scripture where Jesus says, I am the gatekeeper. I am the caretaker of the sheep. Jesus is saying, I'm not a way to God. Jesus is saying, I am the way to God. Now, how God works that out, I will leave that to God. I don't know how to do God's work, and neither do you. But I do believe the demise in the American church began decades ago when we ceased to unequivocally declare loud and clear that Jesus is the gate through whom we enter into the fold of God. That those of us who enter that gate will be made healthy, whole, restored. My friends, the good news in our story is that Jesus promises to come and give us abundant life. Not a meh life, an abundant life. Now, we tend to think of abundant life as that when God pours blessings upon blessings upon blessings in our lap. Mm, Friends, our understanding of abundant life has become too westernized, too Americanized. We think abundant life is about more and more when it really is about less and less. 
Abundant life is embracing the simple gifts of life that God provides. Perhaps this is one of the biggest blessings we can unwrap from this time of COVID-19. We are reminded that abundant life is about the simple things in life. Like being in community. For a phone call from a loved one with whom you haven't spoken with in a long time. Abundant life is a family that is gathered around the living room and the dining room table sewing masks for medical professionals and uh, first responders they will never ever meet but whom they are helping to protect. Abundant life is seeing beauty in the small little things. In nature or in gestures of a person who walks by on the sidewalk. Jesus has promised you and me abundant life. If you want to experience it, all you have to do is this. Listen to and for the Good Shepherd's voice. You know now how to tell the difference. Amen. Friends, pray with me. Almighty God, help us in our life to discern between uh, the stranger's voice, the thief's voice, and the Good Shepherd's voice. Lord, help us to follow you into the sheepfold where you will heal us, reunite us, and restore us to life. Oh Lord, you do not seek to kill and destroy. No, you come to give us life abundant. Lord, help us to hear that sweet voice. Lord, be with us this week as we go. In Christ's name, amen. My friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. He stands at the door of your heart. And he wants to come in and have supper with you. He knocks gently, softly. Doesn't push his way in. But he wants to be invited. He wants to sit with you. Friends, if you would like to profess your faith in Jesus Christ, reprofess that faith, join the church and talk about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, then please call Pastor Pam, Pastor Nick, or myself. And we would love to tell you about it and bring you into the sheepfold. My friends, as you go this day, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and smile sweetly and brightly and radiantly and give you peace. So be it. And now I invite you to take the candle that you have lit prior to the service. And we're not going to extinguish the light. No, I'm going to blow it to you. 
to remind all of us to take it out into the world that we may be the light of Christ, the voice of the shepherd, to those who are being led astray. Go in peace. Thank <laughs> you.